Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online and happy 4th of July. We've got church on a holiday. This is fun. Uh, this is exciting to, to still be meeting virtually and we have our services in person too. My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor of this church. And as we gather in person on Sunday morning for 4th of July, it's going to look a little bit different. We're doing some things. Uh, uh, we've brought our elementary kids into service with us, so it's a bit of a family holiday service. It'll feel a little bit more casual. Uh, I'm sitting on a stool right now. We'll be probably doing the same thing in service. Uh, the message in person may feel a little bit more conversational. But I'm glad you're tuning in with us right now because there's a message that I think is particularly relevant for the day. Fourth of July, I mean, what is it known for? It's known for fireworks and hot dogs, at least. <laughs> we got those. That's a pretty annual staple, I would say. Uh, of course, 4th of July is when we celebrate the birth of our independence as a nation. And that's also a very significant thing in our history. And another thing, that 4th of July, it's the annual move-in date for our family. We moved to Santa Clarita a year ago today. Uh, we, we actually moved in on, on 4th of July, and our neighbors were so excited. There were uh, fireworks going off in the streets the whole night because we moved in. So that was, that was an exciting time. <laughs> I don't know when the last time is that you actually saw fireworks. It's, you know, of course, things have been shut down over a year, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see. There's apparently a pretty good show in the middle of our town that I'm looking forward to later. Fireworks are a lot of fun. I've had a few experiences with them. Uh, there was one night where we were uh, lighting off a whole bunch of little poppers and things and different kinds of fireworks in the street. There was like a big block party that my friends were doing a couple streets over. This was years ago. And at one point, uh, I was doing a bottle rocket, which I, I can't remember if those were actually on the band list in the city that I was in. Um, or if they're discouraged or what, but I was lighting one and it, it, I lit it, it, it you know, it, it went off and it went up a few feet and then it somehow tipped sideways and went horizontal along the ground and it passed, it just rocketed past a group of uh, little kids playing in a circle in the driveway and it was horrifying. It didn't hit anybody. I think it went into a bush somewhere. And it was awful. It was, um, you know, it was a gut-wrenching feeling for me thinking about the potential damage that could have happened. And I called it quits. You know, we and the other people that were, were doing this, we called it quits. And, um, you know, praise the Lord for his mercy, for allowing everyone to stay safe, even though I was doing something that was pretty stupid. And you know what? There, there may have been rules against that. I think there's, there's sometimes I have a tendency to want to ignore the rules, um, not just with fireworks, but there's other things in life where I have a tendency to do that. I think for many of us, we have a reluctance to want to follow the guidelines. Uh, it can be really easy to come up with reasons why the rules don't apply to me. <laughs> and there's some common reasons we have this in mind. You know, sometimes there's a guideline or rule and I think, no, no, I want, I want to do what I want to do because it's going to be fun. Sometimes that's all the reason you really need. Um, other times we say, I, I know better than this rule. The rules are dumb. Or we may think, I know, I know what's, 
the instructions are, but I, I think I can get away with it, or the consequences aren't really all that bad. There's something in us that tends to be reluctant to want to heed instruction. And uh, if you think about today, you know, it's Independence Day. We should live our lives independently, right? We should, we should express our freedoms. You know, there is a good kind of independence. There's, you know, if you're an independent person, hopefully it means that you carry your own responsibilities in life. That's a good thing. But it could be taken too far where, you know, you might say, I, I'm so independent, I, I want to do whatever I want to do. And no one can tell me otherwise. We're going to look at a story in the Bible today. Uh, we're following Joshua. We started the series last week. And we're going to look at a situation where some of God's commands were disregarded. And we'll see how well that turns out for them. When we read the Bible, we discover that people have been reluctant to obey the rules for centuries, actually. And last week, we saw how Joshua, he was a, a young warrior who had just received command of the nation of Israel. And before launching out, Joshua receives this command from God. He says, be strong and very courageous. We focused on that last week. But there's one more very significant command from God in this verse, in Joshua 1.7. He says, be careful. This is the next thing he has to do. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So when God gave these instructions to be careful, to all, obey all the law, it really means to act exactly within God's guidelines. God's very specific about the commands that he gives us. It means don't cut corners, don't veer off to the side, don't just kind of do what you want to do, don't make excuses, don't do any of that. Be very careful. And uh, part of the reason that God said be careful is he knew there's going to be a lot of opportunities to disregard what God said. A lot of times you're just feeling like, I want to do what I want to do. Be careful. When do you normally hear someone say that? I mean, parents, I'm a parent, we say it all the time. Be careful. We, t we tell our kids to be careful when they're on the very top step or they're like walking on a railing somewhere. <laughs> or be careful with those scissors. There's times when our kids might hurt themselves physically and we tell them to be careful. Most, that's mostly the time when we use that word, that expression. But God says be careful, not in the midst of physical danger, but in moral danger. At the times when we're tempted to do the wrong thing. That's really where we have a much greater potential to damage ourselves. God is not saying, hey, be careful, Joshua. They don't cut your arm off with your sword. It's not that kind of be careful. It says be careful to obey the law, really God's commands. It means be careful not to complain about your work. You need to be careful to watch out for tempting situations. And when you feel rage or bitterness or unforgiveness rising in your heart, be careful not to walk in that stuff. So God said, don't turn from his ways. Don't turn to the right or to the left, which kind of reminds me of a tightrope. Here's a picture of it. Uh, when you look at the narrowness of the wire <laughs> that this tight rope walker is on, you really get the sense there's, there's not any room to veer slightly to the right or to the left. You got to think about the precision that's required for every single step. Uh, here's another picture of a tightrope. This guy was way up in the mountains somewhere. And I think if you were here, you'd probably say, be careful. And he justifiably could say, be careful. 
for his physical danger. And for him, turning to the right or to the left would have really bad consequences. In order for him to cross that wire, he's going to have to take very careful, concentrated steps. And that is the kind of approach that God wants Joshua to, take, to use as he leads the nation forward on the battleground. And it's the kind of approach that God wants us to use in our everyday life as we make decisions, as, we, as I handle my emotions, as I relate to people, as I, the way I use my time or my resources, everything. So now that we have a clear idea about what God's command is to Joshua, let's drop back into the story. And so we're going to look at the Battle of Jericho. Uh, well, actually, sort of the results of it. Jericho, I don't know if you grew up hearing the Bible stories from the Old Testament. This was a real fun battle. They march around seven times. They blow trumpets. The walls come crumbling down, and they defeat the city. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to read it. But they do have, you know, this is the first victory on Joshua's new military campaign, and it goes well. And <clears throat> God's instruction is, though, you know, he, he, he gives them some really clear guidelines here. Um, normally, it would be the case where a conquering army would take stuff from the city that they just conquered. You know, you want to make good use of what was there, whether it was food or clothing or resources or whatever. But God said about this particular one, it says, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you'll be in trouble on the camp of Israel. Mm, this is almost like a foreboding, a shadow of what's to come. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. So overall, these instructions are fairly simple and the men follow through. Joshua and all of his men carefully obey God's commands about not taking the stuff on this city. Everyone obeys except for one guy. Man, there's just one guy who decides not to take this all that seriously. In the whole vast army of Israel, I mean, the nation was probably millions of people, um, unbeknown to all of his comrades and soldiers in arms, his buddies, his battle buddies, Achan took some of the plunder for himself. Achan said, later he, he said about this experience after the battle, he says, among the plunder I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. So you can imagine Achan, he's moving through the city of Jericho. Perhaps they, you know, they've defeated the city and uh, they're just assessing the damage or whatever, walking through. And something catches his eye. Oh, hello. What do we have here? He looks around, see if anybody's looking. He's by himself for the moment. He sees some nice clothing, some money, some gold. And the stuff was nice, but it really wasn't even that valuable. It was, you know, few hundred dollars worth of clothing and money. Um, didn't really matter how much it was. He just, he wanted it and he stole it. He took it. <clears throat> he knew what the command was. He definitely knew that this was out of bounds. How did he justify this in his mind? How, how do you, how do you make sense out of doing that? He probably thought, you know, it's really not that much. Nobody's going to miss it. It's not a big deal. I mean, honestly, we're working pretty hard here first battle, <clears throat> shouldn't we get a little reward or something? A, a few things would be nice. Um, or maybe he thought, I know what the rules are, but in my special case, you know, I really need this. My family needs it. I, and I think God probably would want me to have this too. 
Whatever was going through his mind, he did not think the consequences for disobeying would be all that serious. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. Imagine Aiken on a tightrope. Imagine him walking carefully, and then he decides to take a step off the right path. God also gives us assignments. We may be tempted to cut corners or to seek a little bit of personal gain, just kind of get what we want. We routinely have opportunities to disregard what God said. It's kind of like we're walking on a tightrope every day, and we, need, we really need to be careful. We're routinely tempted to get sloppy. Maybe we just get sloppy in spending time with God every day. Or our relationships with somebody's messed up, and I, I just don't feel like doing the right thing there. Or when it comes to giving of our time or our money. You know, maybe tempt, I'm tempted to hoard my stuff for myself or guard my time, even though God has commanded me to give a percentage or to be generous. In all of these areas of life, who would ever know if I didn't totally do what God said? Well, no one seemed to notice what Achan did. He must have been totally alone. And it actually says, uh, after this battle at Jericho, um, so the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. Seems like a pretty good summary statement. So probably by this time, Achan has taken the plunder back to his tent and he thought, I got away with it. I'm in, I'm in the clear. This is great. Nobody saw it. Nobody needs to know. And we're good. Have you ever gotten away with anything? Or have you ever thought you got away with something? You were sneaking? I've been there. Well, no one knew about this until the next battle. They go into the next battle fully confident that God is going to lead them to victory again, and they get sorely defeated by, by a city that they should have had no problem with. And 36 men died in the process. And Achan here is the reason. When Joshua calls out for help because he didn't know what's going on, God responds, listen, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. I don't know if you caught this, but when God is telling Joshua about this problem with Achan, he says, Israel has sinned meaning the nation. So he said, they have stolen things. They have lied about it. Wasn't it just one guy that nobody else knew? Well, what we find out here is that the sin of one man was credited to the whole nation of Israel. Oof. We do not normally think this way. We tend to be focused on the individual here in modern America. A tough, valuable lesson is that my sin brings trouble on others. I've, I've, I've learned this. I've seen this in my own, my own. My, my sin brings trouble on me, and I also bring trouble on other people in my life, too. The Apostle Paul, at a much later time in the New Testament, he writes something similar. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, he says, If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. I don't know if you've ever experienced this at home or in family life. If one person is moping or off kilter or getting into trouble or having a rough time, it really does affect everyone else. And if one person really strives to do courageously the right thing in a tough situation, man, the whole family is so excited and gets behind that. This story might make us ask, by my own sin that I'm in right now, 
who might I be bringing trouble on? Whenever we've got a lot of pain or ongoing problems, is there some sin in my life that's lurking in the shadows that I haven't dealt with? Sometimes our trouble persists because of undealt with sin. Joshua needed to figure out who stole the plunder. And so he calls out the whole nation and they were divided up by big tribes of people and there were clans within the tribes and then families within that. So there's this big structure of people that's kind of organized and he uses this process of casting lots to identify who it was. And they might have used something like these black and white stones. This is possibly what it looked like. These kind of look like dice. We play a lot of Farkle in my house, so it <laughs> kind of reminds me of playing Farkle. Um, imagine Farkle and then the answers got someone in trouble. <laughs> Anyways, when they threw these dice, they knew that God would be guiding the process of the dice and it would reveal, you know, kind of like in a yes or no way, who it was. So they roll the dice or the lots and um, Achan's tribe, his big tribe is picked out. This is the problem tribe. So now he's probably freaking out a little bit. Uh oh, they're getting close. Then they roll the, the, the lots or the dice again and now they pick his clan. They realize somebody, somebody in this clan. So now his heart's probably pounding. Oh my gosh, they're gonna find, they're gonna find me out. Maybe, maybe if I keep quiet. Roll the dice again, his household is picked, his extended family. And you're probably thinking at this point, come on, Aiken, why don't you just fess up? Why are you, why are you dragging this out? And they go man by man, and finally, here's what it says. And Joshua brought near his household man by man, and Aiken was taken. They did finally get to the guy. And so at this point, everyone probably steps away, and he's probably standing by himself, and he says, it's true, I have sinned against the Lord the God of Israel. He confesses it, but listen, buddy, it's a little bit too late. He says, I wanted those things so much that I took them. They're hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. Now that he's found out, he's willing to give extra information. So messengers are sent to confirm and bring the items forward. So they do that. And with a chilling statement, Joshua says, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. The final result for Aiken is pretty severe punishment, not just for him, but for his family too. It goes very bad for them. You can read about it in Joshua chapter seven. Aiken remained silent the whole time until he was forced into the light and his whole family pays a price. What if he would have responded in repentance, and he, and he brought it forward on his own initiative. I actually think it's possible that if he would have thrown himself on the mercy of God and the nation, maybe he would have been forgiven. But if we trace this story all the way back to God's original command to Joshua, which was be strong and courageous be, and be careful to obey everything. You see a real big difference between Joshua and Achan. We hold them side by side. Joshua carefully obeyed and he found success wherever he went. Achan disregarded God's commands and he received severe punishment and judgment. And after that happened, the nation of Israel was able to press forward in their mission and with success. They, they had a really good success after that point. This story brings up a really important truth that we need to know. We live in a world where truth is supposedly relative. God's ways, they're relevant. They don't, they don't make a difference. They're, they're outdated. They don't, 
they don't have bearing on our everyday life. That's a common stream of thought. Everyone gets to make up their own morals and do what they want, do what looks right, seems right, feels right to them. The truth that we need so badly is that my sin is destructive. It causes problems. When I, when I just go off and do what I want, contrary to God's ways, I cause problems for myself and for the people in my life. Today is Independence Day. And I think we really ought to celebrate our independence, our freedoms. God has actually given this country some amazing freedoms, including the freedom to practice religion. But let us never act like we have independence from God or from his word. And if things in our country have been concerning you, the way things have been going this year or last year, we've got to know if there is any hope for positive change, things moving in a good direction, in a lasting and beneficial way, it's going to happen when Christian men and women carefully live out all of God's commands, when we get very serious about walking with Him. That's, that's the difference maker. Later in the book of Ephesians, in the New Testament, Paul writes something that feels very similar to this story. He says, be very careful then how you live. It's this idea of careful again. Every day you're on a tightrope. That's, that's the idea here. Don't live unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's an interesting phrase. I wonder if you've felt like the days are evil or getting evil. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The way that we limit damage in our lives and in the greater scene, the way that we find success in life is carefully obeying God. And we don't do that perfectly. So when we get off track, we repent and confess. Own up to it. We deal with our sin. When we do that, it unblocks the stoppage of progress in our lives. Confession really paves the way for blessing and true freedom. American freedom is great. It's really good. But confession, when we, when we own up to our sin, what, where we've veered away from God, boy, that's powerful. When we verbally say we've been wrong or we've done wrong, that's really the beauty of the Christian life. Our lives can, can become an incredible story of redemption and healing and progress in life. And we can, our lives can move towards an incredible life glorifying God through eternity. You might think about taking the next step. After listening to this, you might think, I need to think about, I need to identify part of my life where I have veered away from God's commands. Maybe there's a situation in your life now where you're not being very careful to obey. Also, you might deal with some sin with, through confession. Maybe something's already come to mind. Maybe it might be necessary to deal with it through confession to God. Whenever we mess up, we have the incredible opportunity to clean it up. Because of God's love for us, we can get cleansed from our sins and careless living. Finally, maybe the next step is to, I, I just need to commit to walking exactly this week. Where might I be tempted to go off track? Where might I be tempted to not really take God all that seriously? We have the chance to follow in Joshua's footsteps, to be strong and courageous and to carefully obey all of God's commands. And perhaps we might experience the blessing of success wherever we go. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this story, for your word, and for your words to Joshua. 
I think it was probably pretty hard for him in his time of big responsibility and leadership to do the right thing in each situation. But you showed him how you gave him the grace needed to walk in courage and strength and carefulness. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to his leading and prompting and conviction. Pray that we would develop a firm resoluteness and faith to trust you, to trust your goodness and your ways, and to live in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful 4th of July, and I'll see you later.